Wow, great song, great singing this morning, and uh, man, that's good stuff. Um, tell you what, this is our last Sunday in the 23rd Psalm, so would you join me and stand and read, read together one last time Psalm 23? We will have it on the screen for you. And uh, if you would like to have a copy of the Bible underneath the chair in front of you there, and that's um, on page 382, it's there as well. So join me as we read or say from memory, all right, the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your love and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I trust that you took it, if you hadn't already, Took it upon yourself as a project to memorize that, and we'll continue to keep that in your, your heart and mind in the days ahead. It was Saturday, June 20th, 2009, and just after 1 o'clock in the afternoon, I was standing right about over there where Dave Lackey is sitting. That At that point, the auditorium was turned this way. The platform was up there, that was the front, and there was a middle aisle going right down, and I stood right at that spot in the middle under a trellis of sorts with my daughter. She was holding my arm as I was about to walk her down the aisle and give her away to the man who would become her husband. And as I stood there with her holding onto my arm, and her looking the most beautiful bride I've ever seen other than my wife. <laughs> That's what you wanted me to say. No? Oh, no. Uh, as we were waiting to start the walk down the aisle, I looked at her and I said, Ab, I wish this aisle would never end because I was so gripped with the incredible and overwhelming joy of that moment. I didn't want it to end. And I don't know if you've had those kinds of moments. I've thought about that afternoon many times. In fact, I just talked about it with Abby a couple of days ago because it was without a doubt one of those moments that I would absolutely describe as it doesn't get any better than this. You know what I mean by that? 
it doesn't get any better than this. Have you been there? Have you had that kind of a moment? Have you experienced that emotion that just gripped your heart with peace and joy and contentment? Now, I don't necessarily mean walking your daughter down the aisle. You may not have a daughter. You may never be able to do that exact kind of a thing. But one of those moments where everything is just right. It's beautiful. You, you're, you're there, as we say, perfect moment at peace. It's kind of like when you're sitting on the beach in your favorite chair at your favorite place and the sun is shining and the, the waves are rolling in and the breeze is blowing it's, and you go, wow, it doesn't get any better than this. It might be the birth of your first child or second or any of them or your grandkids. It might be just watching a gorgeous sunset. It might be attending the graduation of one of your kids. It might be getting a new job. It might be a new house. Right, Skip? <laughs> yeah, thank you. I just want to say for Skip and Laurie, man, thank you for all of you who showed up to help move them in uh, yesterday and uh, the joy of all of that being together. Um, but whatever that moment is for you, um, you can't help it as you're sitting there experiencing whatever that is and you, 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 it just comes out. It doesn't get any better than this. I hope you've had those moments. But those moments aren't once-in-a-lifetime kinds of things. They can happen over and over and over again at various stages of life and situations and circumstances. But I do think that whole thing of it doesn't get any better than this is what David is saying in verse 6 about Psalm 23, about what he has just expressed in that whole chapter and, and I believe there, as we look at verse 6, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Wow, what a statement. What a statement. And when you read that, and as you've meditated on that, as you've learned Psalm 23, either now or in days gone by, verse 6 is a summary statement, I think, for the whole 23rd Psalm. David isn't talking just about one day in his life or one moment in his life. He is referencing the journey of his life with the Lord as his shepherd. And he gets through the 23rd Psalm and gets to verse 6. And surely the goodness and love of the Lord, my Savior, will follow me all the days of my life. Wow. He's been blessed to be under the skilled and loving care of his shepherd, his Lord and so are we, if you know Jesus today, if you can say, the Lord is my shepherd. Not just the Lord is a shepherd, or the Lord is the shepherd, but the Lord is 
my shepherd. And if you can say that today, wow, it doesn't get any better than this. What an amazing thing. And I really do believe if you could have been sitting there with David out in the, in the, the, the fields with the sheep when he was there, maybe when he was penning the 23rd Psalm, you might have heard him say, wow, it doesn't get any better than this. Now, as we think together today about that uh, think back over what we've seen already from the 23rd Psalm. And because the Lord is my shepherd, we have said it this way, I will never lack, verse 1, anything I need. I will never lack, as we look at it in verse 2, I will never lack rest and refreshment. Or restoration, verse 3, he refreshes my soul. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I will never lack direction. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I will never lack his protection. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. I will never lack his presence. Why? Because you are with me, David says to his Lord. He will never lack his provision. As David says there, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Never lack his peace. And then he says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And because of that, I will never lack life to the full because the Lord is my shepherd and today verse 6 because the Lord is my shepherd I will never lack his faithful love and presence now we've talked about his presence before but it's there in the text and I think that's the way David ends for a reason and we're going to talk about that as we dig in I will never lack his faithful love and presence it doesn't get any better than this do you understand that as you as you think about that statement and the emotion that comes when you're in in that moment it doesn't get any better than this to be able to say the lord is my shepherd and i think that's why david says so surely certainly without a doubt your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life that's it so why does David say that well he says I will never lack his faithful love and that's what he's talking about surely your goodness and love now again he's summarizing the whole 23rd psalm I believe with this statement and and he's bringing it back and he says your goodness and love will follow me wow what what a position to be in what a place to be in our relationship with the Lord to be able to say certainly certainly Lord your goodness and your love I know are going to follow me all the days of my life there is nothing that I lack or ever will lack because that's your promise 
Lord, I know what to expect. That's what David, I know what to expect, Lord, because surely your goodness and love will follow me. I know that's going to happen and I can live my life confidently. Certainly your goodness and love will pursue me. That word follow there. It's, it's, we, we think of following, like if, if I follow you down the aisle or, or, or I follow you out to the park, whatever. It's, but it's really more than that. It's pursue. It's the word chase. That's what David is saying. Lord, your love, your goodness will pursue me, will chase after me every day of my life. Listen, folks, that's what the Lord does for us. He pursues after us with his love and his goodness. Now, those two words there, his goodness and love, really, I I think that it's probably a figure of speech. And as I've studied it through some different perspective on that but I, together those words are saying communicating emphasizing one idea that it is the lord's good and faithful love always no matter what every day of our life every morning that we get out of bed his good and faithful love will pursue us that's what david is saying and, and chase after, listen, if you remember, if you've ever read through the Old Testament, back in the books of First and Second Samuel, and when David was chosen by Samuel to be the king to replace Saul, and how after that, Saul began to chase David around the wilderness all throughout the kingdom to kill him. And he chased David often. All over the place. But no one chased David as persistently or extensively as the Lord did. Think about that. In all of what David experienced. And he had some low points. He had some nasty sin points in his life. And God was there pursuing him with his love and his goodness, his faithfulness. Some translate it his loyal love. That's what David wanted us to understand. His faithful love every step of the way. God chases us throughout our lives. Woo, man. Huh? Folks, don't let just that go through your mind and in one ear and out the other. It just let that sink down deep. The Lord's faithful love, his mercy. That's why some translations, probably the one you memorized, what your goodness and mercy will follow me. The word really is love, and it's that faithful, loyal love that will always be there no matter what. David committed adultery. David murdered that woman's husband. And the Lord's goodness and love was still there. Man. It doesn't get any better than this. 
There's no need to panic. When life is hard, when circumstances are working against us, we don't need to run and hide. We don't need to give up. We don't need to quit. We don't need to feel like that's it. It's over. I'm done. This isn't working. I've had it. No, because the Lord's loyal, faithful love and his mercy are always there. But how many of us really feel that way? How many of us really believe that to be true? I mean, think about it. Are you confident that when life gets hard and seems to be going against us, that the Lord's faithfulness and love is always there for us? That he makes no mistakes. I mean, it's pretty easy when things are good, right? When things are going our way. Um, when our health is good. When the income is steady. When um, the bills are paid. When our family is, is solid. When we've got great friends all the time, everywhere. Life is good. It's, it's easy to be confident and say, yeah, I, I know surely the goodness and love of the, our Lord will follow me all the days of my life. But, but how about when you or someone in your family loses their health and begins to battle whatever it may be, cancer, that word that scares the daylights out of us, do we still believe that his Loyal, faithful love is chasing us, that he's pursuing us. What about when uh, your job is eliminated, just done away with, and your car breaks down, and, and you've got bills to pay, and you're not sure how that's going to happen, or what about when your family isn't walking with God, they're going the other direction? What about when uh, it seems you find loneliness around every corner? When, when you feel like life just isn't going your way and it doesn't appear that it ever will. You thought you had everything mapped out for your life, at least for the next year or so, and then it all comes crashing down. And, and is the goodness and love of the Lord continuing to follow you? Do we have that kind of confidence to say, all right, God, it's certainly not what I would have chosen, and it just doesn't make me happy, but I know that your goodness and love will follow me. Are there, you are chasing me with your love. If the Lord is your shepherd, listen to me, he's always, always good. And his love will always be there. That's why we call it a faithful love. It will not go away. Even in the pain of hard times. Surely, certainly, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my lifetime. Do you trust the Lord today? Are you really trusting God? Because if you are, it doesn't get any better than this. But secondly, um, his presence. Why does David say it doesn't get any better than this? Because 
I will never lack his presence. The second part of verse 6. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, God's promise to us, his commitment, his chasing, his pursuing us with his faithful love. It's not about our surroundings. It's not about our circumstances. Uh, It's about him. And that's what he's saying in the end, the second part of verse 6. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, the house of the Lord. You think about David saying this. He was out in the wilderness when he was a shepherd boy. And even when he was a king for the first seven years, he was being chased all over his kingdom by Saul until finally he became the one and only king. And he was there. But he wasn't always in the temple. When we see house of the Lord, we absolutely think of of the temple that was there and David's love for the temple. Remember, David is the one who wanted to build the Lord a temple, but The Lord wouldn't let him, and he gave that responsibility to his son Solomon to do that. But David had a love for the temple and to be in God's house. But keep in mind the shepherd and the sheep metaphor as we're thinking through this. That doesn't always indicate that the house of the Lord is the temple. Certainly that would be one way to look at it. But as we consider this, I think we must, we must look at this more broadly than just the building, the temple itself. One writer said it this way. It is not the place that David's referring to, but the vitality of the relationship, the special relationship that he had. It's when he says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord. I am there in the sphere of that relationship, his presence. Another writer says, the house of the Lord is any place where there is an opportunity for fellowship and communion with the Lord. In other words, where the Lord reveals himself and because he reveals himself, because he grips our heart and mind with his truth, with his presence, there it is that we can call the house of the Lord. One translation, the Amplified Bible says this, I will dwell in the presence of the Lord forever. And I think that's really what David is saying. I will dwell in the presence of the Lord forever. Now that word dwell in, in, the, in the initial giving of it, the word means to return or to go back, to dwell by going back to, to dwell by returning to where I was. It might indicate, you said, well, where did David go? Well, there are times that David wandered away. We talked about his sin, Right? There are times that David struggled and and wasn't in that close relationship with the Lord. There are times when David pours out his heart. We looked at Psalm 42 as we've studied through this to see, he says, Oh, my soul, I'm so distraught. I'm upside down. 
Where are you? And, and, and there are those times, but this idea of returning, whatever that, whenever that may have been, it's the idea of coming back. And we wander, each of us is who know Jesus. We get ourselves in the middle of a situation when life is hard. It might be sin. It might be things change. It might be loved one's health. Or we talked about that losing a job or something's happened to people we know, whatever it may be. And, and we kind of wander away. We kind of fade away in a little bit. And then God grips our heart as we cry out to God and we return to that place, the presence of our God, that place of refreshment, that place of protection, that place of provision, that place of fullness of life that God's promised. Are you there today? We talked the last time as we looked at verse 5, you will never lack. If the Lord is your shepherd, you will never lack the fullness of life. Is your life full today? Is it overflowing? Are you satisfied? Do you regularly say as you sit with God and meditate on his word and, and, and focus worshiping your God by yourself it doesn't get any better than this. That, I really believe, is what David is talking about. That's what he's driving us to understand. The Lord's presence is significant in our lives. And when we sit there, when we understand, yes, we know the truth of Psalm 139, right? We, we went over that. But if you just remind yourself again, Psalm 139 at verse 7, David says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. He says, then, if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. What did he say? He guides us along the right paths, right? And then he goes on and he says, verse 11 yeah, if I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, the light all goes away, it's dark, it's night. He says, even then the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Wherever I go, you are there now that's the truth of the presence of God we know that right we know that right up here but do we feel it right here whether you feel it or not doesn't change the truth you understand that right it doesn't matter how you feel the truth is always there God's presence is always there and there may be those times that things are down and you're low and you're lonely and you're, you're struggling, you're fighting to keep on, you want to quit, you want to give up, you want to say, what's the use? I've had it. Listen, God is always there and we need to cry out, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the presence of the Lord forever. I will sit there. I will return to that place 
and I will let the presence and the protection and the provision and the care and the faithfulness and the love of God grip my soul. These are unbelievably crazy days, folks, right? You know that. I don't have to tell you that. And it may be as simple as you're standing there at the gas pump and you're looking at prices and you're going, boop, you know, it's like, wait a minute, Lord, uh, really? And we read about uh, what's going on around the world, the, the battle for life that so many people are facing and, 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 and the discussions about the truth of abortion and those things. And we, we're like, what's going on? We read about the disease and sickness that overtakes people and we're like, ah. Oh, we need to return and dwell in the presence of God. So in light of what you've just heard, what do you need to do? In light of, yes, we could say verse 6, but the whole 23rd Psalm, what do you need to do? Well, let me suggest two responses. Two responses. Philip Keller says, the only real, practical measure of our appreciation for the goodness and the faithfulness and the love of our Lord is for us, in turn, to show goodness and love to others. How do you respond to the faithful love and goodness of God? We, we show it to others. We demonstrate it to others. This quote, this is what he says. If I am unable to forgive and extend friendship to fallen men and women then it is quite certain I know little or nothing in a practical sense of Christ's forgiveness and mercy to me. How can we claim to be forgiven? How can we claim to have experienced the, for, the forgiveness and love and mercy of God and in turn not show it to others? Jesus says you can't. We must respond to his faithful love and goodness by showing that goodness and love to others. If we don't, we've missed the whole thing. Secondly, I say it this way. Always be aware of being in the presence of the Lord. You say, well, why do we have to be aware of that? I mean, you just said, the Bible says... That he, wherever we go, he is there. Yeah, but we're not always aware of that. Remember, as I said, we know it up here. But we aren't always aware right here. There are times when we feel unbelievably lonely. 
But He is there. And we need to always be aware of being in the presence of the Lord. Of wanting, desiring to be close to Him. And in that presence to be deeply satisfied and content to be at peace. Why? Because He is there and we know it and we feel it and we've got that truth gripping our heart. I know I'm in the presence of God. I know He is there. I'm aware of that and it's going to change my life. How's it going to do that? Well, we sit back and we say, I am trusting God even when life seems to go the way I never dreamed it would go. God didn't make a mistake. I know that's his plan for me. That's confidence. That's trust. That's saying in the presence of God, I will be satisfied and content. I will rest at peace. I am proud to be part of his flock. I am proud to be called a Christian and a follower of Jesus. Do you feel that way? Paul talks often in the New Testament about not being ashamed of the gospel of the person of Jesus Christ. How do you feel when you stand there with somebody who doesn't know the Lord? Have you ever had that feeling as a discussion ensues about spiritual or religious things? and, And we know we have Jesus and we're... We're a little embarrassed, maybe a little ashamed and kind of aren't. Or are you proud? And I don't mean in the obnoxious athletic way that now everybody gets, you know, penalties for despite the sport for for just, you know, unsportsmanlike conduct. I don't mean that kind of pride. That we willingly openly say I know Jesus and I will follow him being aware always that we are in the presence of God no matter what happening no matter where we go you know how that also can happen is when you're with God's people being aware, being with God's people encourages being aware of God's presence, right? When you're with God's people, that's why we gather. Part of the reason why we gather together, we're with, we celebrate, we worship together because we're in this together and, and we can rejoice together in our God. Let me give you this as we close. Exodus chapter 33 verses 15 and 16 and we looked at this a couple of months ago when we preached about Moses and his desire his passion to know God in verse 15 of Exodus 33 we read then Moses said to him to God to the Lord If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. And you remember uh, Moses was leading the people and they had had a problem with the, the golden calf and God judged the sin. But now he said, all right, Moses, get going. You lead these people to the promised land. And Moses is saying, if your presence doesn't go with us, because God said, I'm not going with you. Just want you to know because I might along the way destroy these people. They're so rebellious. Moses says, if you don't go with us, we're not going. 
Verse 16, how will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? Here's, here's the key. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? What else will except it be your presence? And I would say this this morning, the single greatest distinguishing factor between those who know God and those who don't is the obvious and evident presence of God in your life and mine. If God's presence isn't obvious, if it's not evident when people look at us, how's anybody to know there's a difference? That's what Moses is saying. What else will distinguish me and your people from everybody else on the face of the earth if it's not your presence? God is there. It needs to show in our lives. Remember, it doesn't get any better than this. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Surely, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the presence of the Lord as long as I have life on this earth. Amen? It doesn't get any better than that. Father, thank you for Jesus. Lord, you are our shepherd. For those of us who know Jesus Christ, for those of us who believed that you sent your son Jesus to be born on this earth as a man, to go to the cross, to die in our place for our sins. And when we by faith believe that you did that to pay the penalty for our sin, when we believe we're forgiven, we're made a child of God, no longer your enemy, but now your sons and daughters, what an amazing thing. It doesn't get any better than this. God, help us never to live our lives as those who know him without letting the presence of God be seen. Knowing that your faithful love is chasing us everywhere we go through every circumstance we experience. Oh God, help us to show the love of God to others. I pray that our light will shine so that people will see how we live and give glory to our God and Father who is in heaven. For it's in his name I pray.